Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, thank you and welcome to the program. Today, my guest is Seth Larson. Seth is the owner of Canvas Cutter. They are the manufacturer of some of the best weatherproof camping and hunting bedrolls on the planet. Welcome, sir. I appreciate you being here. I wanted to talk to you about um, just how you got started, the kind of the history of your company, how you got started in it, what other job you had while you were trying to build it up with your with your dad, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of kind of just some of the processes and the thoughts behind it, the name, where you're where you're headed with it, where you've been. Ready, go. Okay. <laughs> oh, the journey is a long one, so I'll try to be brief. No, about you don't how have to be brief. About, but it happened a long time ago, actually, when I was. Oh, I think I was in ninth or tenth grade. My father and I were in Wyoming on a hunting trip, and we had a wall tent, a super nice wall tent that we were staying in while we were there. And we came back like the first or second night we were there, and a critter had eaten a hole in the side of the wall tent. Like, what in the heck? Like, And so we just like put things in front of it and like stuffed it, and then... um Every day we came back, there was the hole got bigger, and we couldn't figure out like what was eating a hole in in my dad's wall tent. So when we got back home, my dad looked up a couple companies, like sewing companies, to see if he could get somebody to fix his wall tent and sew it. And people didn't want him to bring his dirty wall tent and have their like clean, nice machines sew his dirty wall tent. So nobody would fix it for him. And he, my dad's always been into like creating things and designing things. Like even when he was younger, he wanted to like create or design like clothes and stuff. And then he ended up working for the railroad his whole entire life. And so, but he ended up buying his own industrial sewing machine and fixing his tent. And he ended up making a couple of his own wall tents and they were actually like really awesome and well-made. And he always had this idea, he would go with his buddies really, they would get off work and they'd go to the book cliffs, to this roadless area where you have to pack in on horses and they'd always get there really late. And so they would just throw out by the the truck and then the next morning they would pack the horses up and head in. And he's like, every single time we did that around two o'clock in the morning, a thunderbuster would come through and it would rain enough to like wake you up and make you get under the truck or the horse trailer, or heaven forbid inside the truck. And then it would go away. And he always wanted something that he could just get in that would protect him from a little thunderbuster or some, a little bit of bad weather that he could just stay asleep and sleep good and wake up the next day. And he thought about like old cowboy bedrolls and he still to this day doesn't know how the design came, but he created a modern version of like a cowboy bedroll, but it had instead of like buckles and flaps, it just had a zipper that went all the way around it. And you could put like your pad and your sleeping bag in it and some clothes and it would all roll up. And it would buckle closed and it was always ready to go. You could just grab it and throw it in your car or truck and go camping or go out with your family or friends. And you always had a comfortable bed and it didn't matter if it rained or if it snowed or if it was bad weather, you were going to be warm and dry. That was the idea behind it. And um, so he created that. And just after work, every now and then he would sew a dozen together and sell them by word of mouth. A cousin of mine in Southern Utah uh, knows a lot of people and is fairly well known in the outdoor industry, especially in Utah. And he would just, people would come to his taxidermy shop and stuff and he'd sell them by word of mouth. And so when my dad retired, Everybody in our family was like, hey, you should get a website. And 
and actually try to make a business out of this. Cause he would sell uh, like 150 a year by doing nothing, by no marketing, nothing, just by word of mouth from people who have them. They go out and spend a night with their friends and their friends are like, what in the heck is that? And then they're sold on it. And so they would come and buy one. And anyways, I ended up jumping on board with my dad. He made he made a fairly a fairly rough website, but something people could go to and buy them off of. And we we got on social media for the first time, Instagram and Facebook, and we just started posting pictures and talking about them. And at the time I was going to school, I was working on a master's degree. And I was teaching seminary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I would just do this every evening. I would get home from work. I would answer a bunch of emails. I would go and take photos. I would do all our social media posts. I'd reach out to uh, influencers on social media and other companies too. And not thinking that anything would come of it very quickly. But like we put our nose to the grindstone and like we really went at it. My dad produced them all by himself in his basement. He sewed them all and we were starting to sell a decent amount. And we, I was a teacher. I wasn't a businessman and my dad was a railroad worker. He worked for the railroad since he was 19 and he retired when he was almost 60. And um, we weren't businessmen. We didn't understand business. We didn't understand marketing. We didn't understand like figuring out a price. And so they were costing us, we were selling them at the time for like $150, but they were costing us almost a hundred. They were costing us a hundred dollars to make. And then we were spending a few hundred dollars in marketing. So when it came down to it, we were weren't making enough to even cover cover our bases. Like, we couldn't cover utilities. We could, so we had to reanalyze all that. And going into it, not being businessmen, we were just like, "Oh, we've got this awesome product. We'll sell it at a good price." And then when we actually calculated the price of everything, we we had spent like months trying to grow this thing, and we're like, "It's not like we're selling bedrolls, but it's not even growing." Like, what do we have to do? And my dad multiple times is like, I'm out. Like, I can't do it. And I would just be like, okay, I'm going to keep going. You can just, let's just keep going. It's going to be okay. And then finally, uh, we crunched the numbers and realized we were way off with things. Like, we were selling product, but we're actually losing money to do it. (laughs) You were giving product away. We were giving product away. And so we, we had to change our prices and uh, uh, we made improvements to the, to the product regularly uh, to make it better, to make it more weatherproof, um, to make it easier to use. And I had, I had grown up with one like all throughout high school and like after my LDS mission and stuff, every time we went camping, every time we went hunting, we'd always just grab our bedrolls. You just grab them. They're already, you don't have to pack and unpack. It's already got a pad. It's already got your sleeping bag in. You can leave a utility bag in there. Like I wear contacts. And so I'd have contacts and solution and a toothbrush and paste and stuff. It's always, always ready to go. So that's all, that's all built into it. So yeah, it's, you can, yeah, you can get them as like a package deal or you can put your own stuff in it. But, uh, It just takes the annoying aspect of camping, like packing and unpacking. Who who wants to get home from work, pack all their stuff together, spend like a couple hours packing their stuff together to inevitably forget something. And then you, you get to unpack it all when you get to where you're wanting to go, only to the next day or in a couple days, redo that all in reverse. Like... Camping is great, but the prep and unprep makes it suck. Yeah, being out in being out in nature is incredible, but yeah, the preparation to get out there and then actually enjoy your experience and sleeping is a very important part of that experience. It, it sucks bad. 
And so our product is simplifying all that and making it easy to get out. So going back to when you <clears throat> change your prices, you raised them, obviously. Yeah, like we had to raise how, our like prices. What, by what percentage did you have to raise your prices? Um, we had to, we pretty much realized that by the time we paid for marketing and all our bills, we pretty much had to double our prices. So did, the bedroll went from 150 to three 318. Did you, how, how did your customers react to that or did, did you lose customers so we or? were early enough in it like some people some people threw okay we thought we'd have a negative reaction to it and actually we only had a handful of people contact us the problem was this we were on a really big podcast so let me go back a little bit we were meeting with a couple people we knew who were successful business uh owners and they informed us that we had an incredible product and that we should be successful. And they were very encouraging. And on the way back home from one of these meetings that we had, um, I set some very unrealistic goals for us to, there's a a podcast called the gritty Bowman. It's gritty now, but I was like, I want to get on that podcast. And it was like the hot podcast. He, Brian calls his name who runs the podcast. And he was like the first person in the outdoor world to, to do a podcast. Like nobody was doing podcasts. He started a podcast within the outdoor world when people were barely even doing podcasts period. And so his podcast was fairly big and I wanted us to be on it, but that was so unrealistic. Like maybe in five years we'd get on it. And then uh, there was a really big company that was young too. And I didn't know how young they were at first, but called mountain ops. They do like supplements and stuff for people who love the outdoors, but also love being healthy and want to combine the two. And I was like, we're going to do something with, with mountain ops. Like, I don't know what it is, but we're going to get together with them. We're going to do something with them. And I had other goals that just seemed so unobtainable. And six months later, we had obtained all of them. We, and that was the problem with the price thing is we were on so quick. We got on gritty Bowman so fast after I set this goal and it happened like a month later. A friend of ours is a friend with his, and we ended up meeting and getting on on the podcast. And when we were on the podcast, we had two models of the bedroll, and the price was was one hundred and fifty dollars. And he didn't po- post the podcast or or upload the podcast till like four or five months after we did it. And in that time frame, we had learned a lot about business. And we had changed our prices. So they more than doubled, right? Well, and well, they doubled. And so people listened to that podcast, like thousands and thousands of people listened to that podcast. And on that podcast, we mentioned, oh yeah, they're $150. And then they would go to our website and they were $318. And so we would get a couple emails from people who didn't know who we were and didn't know that we were extremely honest individuals. We just don't know what the crap we're doing at the time. Come and be like, you guys are so dishonest. Like this is the worst. Yeah, this is the worst part about you know our economy everybody tries to screw you and blah blah we're like no we're, we just like if you want the product the only way it exists is if we can do it in a way that's profitable like we're not going to do it for free i'm i'm baffled <clears throat> by when when people complain about prices i mean i'm in real estate you know new construction and people mm. are constantly complaining about the price of things and it's like and they want all these extra things they want them for free. I'm like, do we, you have a, if you have a business, do you give it away for free? It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay for everyone else to make money. But if you try to make money, then you're some kind of, you're some kind of evil, yeah, you're, you know, capitalistic bastard. Yeah. Yeah. For it. You just, you're just greedy. Oh, we just, got a lot of all greed. About the money. We got greed. Yeah. We got all kinds of like cap. And by all kinds, I mean, we got a handful of emails, but they hurt deeply because my father and I like pride ourselves on integrity. Like I grew up with my dad pounding into me, like a man is only as good as his word. Someone's insulting your integrity. And, and so even, even it's unfounded, but it still hurts you. To the someone core. who doesn't even know us is calling you a liar, is calling me a liar. And 
I should have at the looking back on it now, like I laugh at it, but it hurt. We're it does. like, we're like, cause it hurts. That's, that's insulting your core when you know that you're not that way. And we pride ourselves yeah. in our integrity anyways, but <clears throat> which is a bit iron, ironistic to pride yourself on integrity, but, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, anyway, so we had, we had raised our prices and we learned uh, a thing or two, but actually our sales increased. We were, we were concerned, like maybe it'd slow down. Our sales actually increased and, and people were like, Oh, people who didn't understand business, but thought they did and wanted to give us counsel. were like, oh, you guys just screwed yourself. Like like no one's gonna, I had I had like six friends that were gonna buy one but they said they're not gonna buy one now like I talked to them at the gym they were all like what they raised their prices I'm not gonna get one now yeah they've all bought one because yeah, they, they see that value is not in price <laughs> yeah value is not, not in price no. and and we make a product that you'll buy one time I my original one is 20 years old right now and it's still going strong and and those same individuals who were like a bit but but hurt that we we raised our prices would go and spend like hundreds of dollars on like their camo pants or like a jacket that will last them a year or two and they don't they don't like even they don't think <laughs> oh my gosh that jacket's five hundred dollars they don't even think that they're just like yeah it's the best jacket you can get i want it well, yeah. Well, you're going to buy another one in a couple of years. You'll never have to buy our product again. So we knew what we had and we, we were just like, we never have sales on our product either. Like it is, it what, is it what it is. It is. Like if you want it, that's what it is. And we'll do promotions like free shipping and stuff. But anyway, so we reached all these goals really, really fast. And, uh, we were concerned about that, but we're, we were such a small company we're still small, but growing, um, that it didn't have a huge negative impact on us, but um, I would just, it was super, it was super special for a little while because I would, I would teach all day. And then twice a week I had classes that would go pretty much till 10 o'clock at night. And then I would come home and have a ton of homework and papers to write, but I still, also had to get photos and do social media posts and email and get, we we're starting to get a lot of influencers, social media influencers and stuff on board and to communicate with them and to work out giveaways and stuff like that was all me. My dad was over production in the production of the bedrolls and I was over marketing and uh, <clears throat> we got hooked up with a really awesome marketing firm that helped us out for quite a while. And we just, we just continued to grow up, but it got to the point, like after a year or so, a year or two uh, into the second year to where it was quite the burden on me and my family to have the two full-time jobs. Cause like, I'm a family dude. I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love spending time with them. And when you go and work an eight hour day, like you are a selfish pig. How dare I was, you? I was waking up at like five, five, five in the morning to get ready to go teach early morning seminary that started at six. And then I would get home from work. My kids would get home from school. I would say, Hey, and hi guys. And how was school? And then I went to work and I would stay up till like one in the morning, trying to get everything done. Photos edited, post lined up communication answer a bunch of emails we have a, a government and outfitter program where people can submit to the program to get discounts on on our products because of their work and the benefit for us that they do and um so i'd answer all those emails and so i wasn't seeing my family a whole lot and then weekends is the time that i had off from teaching and so we would have to go out camping and hunting and stuff to get photos and content. And, and it started weighing pretty heavy, but, um, so at this point it's just you and your dad still it's just, so it's just me. It's just me and my dad. Yeah. He was super open to inviting other family members at 
at first and nobody wanted to deal with like, so I don't know if your listeners understand or can appreciate it unless they've done it before, but building a business is really hard and it demands a significant amount of time and effort and you don't get any rewards for that for a really long time. And there's a possibility that you won't, period. Like you'll pour years worth of time and a lot of money into building something. And most of the time it fails. And so there's not a lot of people that are willing to do that. Like I could have easily spent those two years of my life. Like, and I'm not talking about occasionally. I mean, like every single day I was thinking about and doing stuff for canvas cutter and I was trying not to do it while I was at work. But there was like phone calls or emails or things that I needed to do. And so at lunch or like right when it got off or if I had a prep period and I could take a break, like um, I was thinking about and doing canvas cutter. And I could have done that for two years and had it fail. Like it could go away. And there's not too many people that wanted to do that and not get paid for it. But it was to the point, it was starting to get to the point where um it could it could start paying me and it wasn't quite to the point where it could replace my salary teaching and then a nephew my nephew came and moved out to utah his mother my sister passed away in a tragic accident uh car accident she got hit by a car and passed away and he came out for a funeral and i hadn't seen him for like 10 years and it was really good to see him and he started working with us and he's he he was living out in california and he was a helicopter pilot and he cared more about family than he did about that and he made the decision on his own to move out to utah and he moved out and he started help he learned how to sew and so he'd help my dad like sew and produce some and he would come and help me get photos and he was interested in that too and we just started growing it and it it started growing faster than we expected. And I started learning a lot more about marketing and gained a passion for like taking an idea and a product and learning how to present it to people in a way that they can see how it benefits their life and how they would use it and how it would actually be an investment and serve a purpose for them. And that was fun. And I enjoyed it. And I also though had a struggle because I, I'm super passionate about teaching and I'm super passionate about the gospel and scriptures. And so, um, it came to a point where like, I probably couldn't do them both. However. Yeah. So it was getting to the point where, um, it was taking up all my time and I'm super passionate about it, but there had to, there had to give something had to give. You got to edit that out. Yeah. Something had to give something had I to give. You. Yeah. Um, because with canvas cutter, like we go to shows, there's events that we participate in and, I love teaching and I'm super grateful for the job and the benefits were insane. Like they were incredible. The insurance retirement was awesome and I loved it and I loved it. But during the school year, they would let me take zero personal leave and um, I could use all the personal leave I wanted during summertime. But unfortunately, like the world goes on outside of summertime, like, the whole year the world actually lives yeah, the other nine months things are still happening things are still happening so like as neat as that is like a lot of the events and things we participate in take place in the fall and in the winter and early spring and so i wasn't allowed to get time off for those things luckily i had an incredible principal that was super lenient with me and willing to work with me um but uh, about six months ago, after we had grown quite substantially in, over the last 
two and a half years. What does that, what does quite substantially look like? Like to where mm-hmm. I could go, I could replace my salary. Like we were making enough to where um, not only will it allow the business to fund itself and to grow marketing, but I could come on full time. Um, where before that wasn't a possibility. Like we were just like getting by and the business was paying for itself and we we're paying for for the growth of the company, but not and there wasn't extra to pay a salary. And um, my dad had talked about multiple times uh, retiring. He had already worked his whole life. And this was turning into, although he's passionate about creating products, he wasn't passionate about sitting down and sewing all day long to keep it going. And we had, at this point, we had got... A manufacturer in Arizona and we had had one in Southern Utah. And the irony was like, I, I'm extremely proud to be an American and, and we, we had an American made product, at least the way we understood it, it was American made. So all the materials of our products made overseas, uh, but we were sewing it here. And so we were saying American made. And then we had a manufacturer in Arizona sewing and it was American made, even though it was sold sewn by people who weren't American. Uh, we, we had some weird pride about, about saying this American made and we would get product back from the manufacturer and it wouldn't be sewn right. And it started it became a huge frustration for us because we wanted a top of the line product that would last forever that like we would warranty for life. And we just were not getting that back from American manufacturing. And we, I had a friend who has a super successful company with his father and brother-in-law harvest, right? Is their name. They make home freeze dry systems. And he had encouraged me for a long time after going through this themselves to look at overseas manufacturing. And he had gone over there himself multiple times. Over where? He went to, they were getting it done in China. And he said, as hard as it is to accept their manufacturing is just way better. Like they were getting greenhouses welded and uh, assembled and here in America And he's like, the welding was horrible. It was like really below average craftsmanship. They went over to to China and he's like, it was so much better. It was so much better and more cost effective. And he had encouraged me for like a year to, to at least test the waters and just see what we could do. And I was always like, no. And then my, my business Yoda, who's a neighbor of mine, Aaron, came over and he was assessing the situation and he suggested like, have you looked at like overseas manufacturing? And I said, no, like we're made in America. And he said, wait, okay, Seth, like where's your, where's your canvas made? And I said, India. He's like, oh, okay. Made in America. He's like, um, Seth, like, where you guys have your bedrolls have zippers? And I was like, yeah, where, where is that made? Uh, YKK, so Japan and China. Oh, okay, made in America. Like, it's got straps and buckles on it. I was like, yeah, where is that made? China. The buckles and straps are made in China? Yeah, they are. Assembled oh. in America. Assembled. Oh, he's like, so you're okay with every aspect of your product actually being made overseas but you're not okay with it just being sewn together over there. I get your point. He's like, so you're getting all these materials, raw, raw goods from overseas and assembling it here. And you're saying made in America, which he's like, which every business does. As a matter of fact, so far as I've, I've personally searched out, I've found one company that literally refuses to do anything overseas and they literally like have farmers and everything. They're a health company. They they do it one hundred percent America. Outside of that, 
every company I've met, even when they put made in America, yeah, you're actually getting your plastic from this place and you're actually getting it. And, and my, my Yoda told me that it's like you had to do 10% of it here in America and you can stamp made in America on it. And we were doing way more than 10%. And, uh, he's like, if people are making product good enough for you to assemble here and you're saying it's the best, I bet they are good enough to actually assemble it themselves. And so we did, and it was a huge blessing. It was actually eye-opening to us because we got samples back and they were, (laughs) they were way better than what we were doing. Like when my, like it's my dad's baby, right? Like he was personally sewing hundreds of these and we would get them back and they're way better than his, like way, like not even close. Like the sewing was superior. They were able to do, uh, put different coatings on them that allowed us to make them more waterproof, but still keep the breathability of canvas. And so we started going that route. And my dad was like, Hey, I want to be done. Like, I want to retire. Like, I was fine with this being a mom pa thing, but um, it stresses me out. I just want to retire, so he ended up retiring, and a brother of uh, a brother in law and a good friend of mine came on board, and we're just chugging along. But in the meantime, when my dad said that he was ready to retire, that would mean more of the burden of the business would be put on me, which I was fine with but it wasn't realistic for me to keep teaching and keep doing this at the same time. And if I was going to do canvas cutter full time, um, it needed to replace my salary, which it was at the point that it could. And, um, but I couldn't do them both. And I had such a cush job with an incredible job that I loved with great benefits. My wife was a bit concerned that like, if I did canvas cutter full time, like, where would we get insurance? And like, what about the dentist? Which we, which we would never go to anyways. Like yeah. it had been five years it's since I've gone we, to we the do, dentist. We do a lot of things for the quote unquote benefits, but it's just a peace of mind because we don't even use, like I, I going to the doctor, never go to the doctor. It's but yeah, such a it's, false it's a, it's a, thing. It's a false sense of security that we've created. In our it is a false sense of security, but it was one that me and my wife felt like we were leaning on heavily. And we weren't at all. Psychologically, you were. Psychologically, we were. Like, what if something happens? Yeah, what if something happens? What if? What if? What if something doesn't happen and we're throwing away this huge opportunity? I, I I knew that Canvas Cutter had the potential to create a greater amount of financial security for my family. And it had the potential and still does to fail. I get that. But it's up to you. But it's up to me. Like someone else. Determining what you're worth. I, there was a a crazy idea that I started to realize with with Canvas Cutter is like, I own it. Like, its success is my success. Its failure is my failure. If I needed a day off or if I wanted to go see my daughter perform at her school choir concert or her class was doing this book reading thing, like teaching, I couldn't go and watch that because I was teaching my own classes and they weren't going to let me get a substitute to go for an hour to go watch that and then come back because then they have to pay the sub all day. It's just like... But if I was full-time canvas cutter, I could do that if I wanted to. Like, And if my family's like, hey, let's go for five days on a trip. I didn't have to ask somebody else's permission to do that. We could, we could just schedule it. I could organize my business and marketing stuff, and we could just go do it. Like, incredible amounts of freedom, of, of, of freedom. I don't... It, but it hinged on can we survive without quote unquote benefits like these incredible benefits and two like i don't want to undermine it like i'm i am super passionate i've said it already but i'm super passionate about teaching i loved it i loved 
I've loved helping teenagers who a lot of them, their life is difficult and they're struggling with a lot of things as a teenager trying to discover like who they are and who friends are. And a lot of their home lives were difficult. And I knew I was providing something that could be helpful to them. And I would get letters from them. I still do. I still get letters from students who I got one from the other day of a student I taught at Provo High School. She's in England. She was in England on a mission. And like she wrote me a letter that she was there because of things that I had shared and questions I had answered. And and that's really powerful. And it's super rewarding. And I would have to be giving that up. And so we did a lot of uh, communicating my wife and I, and a lot of praying and a lot of pondering about if this was the right decision. And we both felt like if we were going to do it, now's the time to do it. And, um, there wasn't a whole lot of risk because the way my job was structured, I had a year sabbatical that I could take and still be able to come back and get hired full-time without going through a rehiring process. And all my vacation, all my uh, all my benefits, they'd just be still there. They would be there. Yep, yep. So I that just, was like a safety net, psychological was, safety. It was net. a psychological <clears throat> safety net that my business Yoda was like, I want you to ignore. I wish that didn't exist. He was all about like burn your bridges burn because boats. burn the boats, burn the boats, burn the ships because then there's no way back, and you will make it work. You will make it work. He gave me so much confidence. And like, he's like, you'll do this. Like, not you'll have more time to do it. So it's going to succeed even more. And like, you don't want a safety net to fall back on because then you might not put in as much effort as you need to. But anyways, I talked to my, my <laughs> it was ironic because the day I told my, my principal, hey, I want to talk to you tomorrow if we can. Um, about some things. He's like, all right, hey, just so you know, they got a little lenient. They're allowing you to take two personal days during the school year, but because of that, I can't be as lenient with your personal time during the school year. So you're going to have to figure out like what event you want to go to because you can't go to all of them. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I was, I sat down I was, the next day and I was super incredible man. I was just like, Hey, I feel like this is right for my family. I'm, I'm going to stop teaching at the end of the semester and I'm going to do this full time. And he knows about canvas cutter a lot. We talked about it a lot and he, he was so supportive. He was so excited for me. He's like, this is going to be an incredible opportunity and we're always here for you. And you always have a place like uh, we'll, we'll immediately hire you if you want to come back ever um, but he's like, this is incredible. You like go with it, like run with it. This is awesome. I hope you succeed. And so that was November. It's the end of March now. I've been full-time. What is that? Five months. I've been full-time canvas cutter and I haven't missed the benefits at all. As a matter of fact, it's Benefits that you didn't really use in the benefits first place. I didn't really use in the first place. And I've discovered benefits that to me far outweigh those benefits. The carrot like, and the stick that benefits can be. Yeah. It's like I Brian, dude, I wake up in the morning and I get to like help get my kids ready for school, which is has always been a dream of mine. Like I get to make them breakfast. And if they miss the bus, like I can drop them off. And my daughter had a little class thing before uh, this little health outbreak. I, I, I just went, to, I didn't even think about like, oh, can I do that? Who do I need to check who in do with? I need, who do I need to get check permission in with? from a stranger? Yeah, can I get a permission from a stranger to do something with my family? Like I just went to it and I get to own your time, my time. Yeah. And that is so valuable. That is, And I'm not encouraging people to just be like, okay, I'm quitting my job. I'm going to do something. No, like plan it out. And like obviously yeah. know what you're getting mm -hmm. into. But I – You are in, you, in a unique position I think than most people because you loved what you left. Yeah. 
where most people freaking hate what they do or, it, or they just it's just a job and they just grudge through and hate it whereas you liked what you were doing like, so i loved what i was doing there's aspects about it that i didn't like one i earned all this personal leave that i couldn't ever use yeah what's the purpose of that? what's the point of personal leave if i can't use it when i personally personally need it it. yeah like and so there's that and there's some typical political things that you probably get with any job but i wanted the the freedom that i knew uh, canvas cutter would provide me and i'm super passionate about the outdoors and i'm super passionate about like photography and film and marketing i'm I'm learning a lot about that and i'm passionate about it but you're right like i wasn't in a job that i hated i loved my job and i loved what i was doing and so i was going to leave something i loved and was passionate about to do something i loved and was passionate about so i wasn't losing a lot but i'm not gonna lie it was a month ago i got that letter from that student in england and it was really hard for me to read like just because I knew there were a lot of kids at a school that at any school that I talked to that I knew I could I could have a positive impact. And I'm not saying that like they've got teachers right now that are having that positive impact in their life. And I know uh, like I'm not the only person, but it is extremely rewarding to know that you had that big of an impact on a human being and on their future. Like that is really powerful. Like and on things that I view as super important. And now you have that impact on the human beings in your home. Yeah. More than you had before. More than ever. <laughs> Just so like that's like tenfold. Super it's great. Crazy. I know yeah. what you're saying it's it, that's a great feeling. It is. And I also and I also <laughs> a friend of mine always reminds me like yeah, but you're having that impact with people and that you're selling your product to. Like, I really do believe my product really can change lives. I believe that in times of um, economic turmoil or emergencies, our product provides people with shelter and warmth and comfort, and it can be used as an emergency kit to where if you had to leave your home because of a fire or flood or any reason, like you could grab that. It would have all your clothes. It could have some food in it, some money in it. It has bedding. It doesn't matter what the weather is. You don't have to be in a building and you're good to go. And I believe it has the potential to literally at some point save people's lives, whether it be they're out camping and events happen that they weren't expecting or whether uh, a national emergency or something traumatic happens to where they have to leave their home or you're ordered to stay home or you're ordered to stay home and maybe you need space from your family. So you want to sleep in your backyard or something like that. You can do that and hide and 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 comfort. Like you could podcast from it, you know, and that's, uh, that's what we should do. I could podcast from one of your bags from one of the bedrolls. I know we may be podcasting from one of the bedrolls. People don't know that. That's true. Yeah. Coming from you, from the canvas cutter dominator bedroll. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my journey. I don't know what else you no, want that's, to know. That's, I, yeah, that's, you hit it all. That's, uh, I just wanted to know the story, the why, um, the freedom you're now experiencing and, and the leaping from, the quote unquote security of jobs that our culture, which teaches. is a super scary thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Which, and again, I don't, I don't want a job shame either, but I've, no. I've been doing for most of my life jobs that I just did. Cause I could not, cause I really loved them. I was a graphic designer for 20 years and I liked it, but I didn't wake up loving it. Mm. And then that got old and then it ended up doing just whatever came along just to keep the bills paid. And that is a horrible way to live. Yeah. And it is. most, I would have argued to say, I would argue that most of us are doing that. Oh, I agree. 100%. For quote unquote benefits. Benefits. Which is just. I've got to pay the bills. We got benefits. But benefits that we don't even use. Or, then you still have to pay for that anyway. So it's Like yeah. if you're miserable, like on your deathbed, are you going to be like, man, 
I'm glad I had those benefits. I had some good benefits with that Got some job. Good benefits. Because then you become a thank God it's Friday. Oh God, it's Monday. Yeah, mentality, yeah. and that's the worst way to live too. And it's so many of us do that. Yeah, and imagine if you had something that you were really passionate about, and you strategically and with wisdom, like started doing what you were passionate about, and it benefited others, and so people were actually going to pay you to do it. Yeah, weird. Like that's weird. Yeah. And you could be your own. You could own your own time. And you could own your success and you can own your failure, but you wake up every day happy because you're doing something like that you love and that you're passionate. You're not, (laughs) oh, I hate work. And so you can't, there's people who go to a job that they hate and then come home and do something they're passionate about and daydream about. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if you just did this for your living? I've got an idea, like do it for your living, like figure out a plan and start working really hard. And that daydream actually can turn into a reality and it really will change the rest of your life, but it's going to take effort. But if you're passionate about it and you love it, like the effort's not going to be like a drudgery. You'll appreciate, you'll, you'll enjoy the effort and the journey and the challenge and the, the stress and the struggle because at least at the very least you like it yeah yeah and if you like what you're doing you're miles ahead of most i think yeah i've got a a good friend of mine he did he did something way more risky than me like he quit his job to to do youtube and to shed hunt so like deer and elk their antlers drop every year right and there's people who go out in the mountains and they'll hike miles and miles and miles every day and they'll find them. They're like Easter eggs, right? They'll find them and they actually can sell them. They're worth quite a bit of money. And he was passionate about that, had been since he was young. He was passionate about that and hunting. And he's like, I'm going to quit my job and start a YouTube channel, shed hunting. And people were like, that's the dumbest thing ever. Like, what are you doing? You're just lazy and blah. But he would go to work. He was a high school janitor. He hated every second of of work. And while he was there, he's like, all I did was sit there and daydream about making videos. And we had a ton of time where we didn't need to do anything. So I'd sit there and watch other people make YouTube videos and make a living doing it. And I'm like, I can do that. And he, everybody, like family and everybody, like shamed him when he was talking about doing it. And the only person that was like super supportive was his wife. His wife's like, do it. Now she was teaching. She was a teacher at the time, but she's like, do it. Do it. I want you to do it. Even more so than he. And he did it. He quit his job and started making YouTube videos. And guess what he does full time? Makes YouTube videos. Makes YouTube videos. That's it's awesome. super crazy, huh? And I think the more people that mock you for it, that means it's a good idea and you should do it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's you have you ever heard the you know the, the crab in the bucket theory? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Pull that is, one that is down. that is such that's such a human nature thing to do. Um but yeah, uh, good for him, good for you for doing it, man. Because yeah, that's, that's fun. It's been cool watching you because I mean you haven't changed a whole lot because you know you went from something you love to something you love, but now the something you, the second thing you love you control. Yeah, well when I was on the verge of doing it, you were one of the people that were super encouraging. You were one of the people that were like oh, when you go self-employed, like it'll be really hard to go back and work with someone else. And we have a lot of people around us that that are entrepreneurs or self-employed and they were all so encouraging and all like, "Oh no, you won't regret it." It was like, "Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you can always go get a job. Yeah, you, you can always to. go get a job. That's the other thing. That's the other thing. When we were when we were like really deep in discussion, my wife's like, "Yeah, but it's just like, what happens if canvas cutter doesn't work? I'll yeah. go get I'll a go job. Be a seminary teacher I'll go again. be a teacher. Like I'll go teach. Like yeah. I I don't know why people let benefits and like." But, Fear. I'll lose a job. Why they let fear stop them from doing something they love and being happy. And there's people around them that they love and respect that are crap in the gu- in, in, in the guise of of 
trying to protect them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so yeah. They, mis- they misread that love. Yeah. I had, I had some family that loves me and, and I love them, but were afraid that I would fail. Right. I mean, I had done such the classical, like go to school, get an education, get a secure job, grow in that job, retire from that job, have retirement benefits. That's so safe and it's so secure, but it's so false. It's so it's secure. It might be secure, but there's no, there's no thrill. Maybe is it maybe I don't know if that's the word excitement, just happiness. And I'm not like, there's people that have nine to five jobs that love them and and they love what they're doing. And I'm so stoked for them. That's so awesome. But I enjoy being free and having my time and owning that. And I had family members that were afraid that I was getting off the path of security and that it would fail. False. And it's just not, it's just false, false security. And I finally, like, I don't know how many times I had to tell people like, Seth, like, what if it doesn't work? I'll go get a job. Yeah, I'll pay the bills. Isn't that so. weird? Like, I, I'll go get a job. I'll go do what you're doing. I'll go do what you're doing, it's and I'll pay the bills. Like, it's not it's not that complicated, but it's been a fun journey. It's not over. No. But of course, you're just starting yeah, it, but just no, barely it's, starting it's, This it. is awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story, because that's inspiring to me, and hopefully it's inspiring to those who are listening, but, you know, just do you only have one life and i know that's a cliche statement but it's true it's true do at least try at least try because i've been doing like i say for 50 i'm well two years ago i changed my mindset and i'm doing things that are bettering my position just trying things just try stuff just try it yeah i yeah i just last words (laughs) you do have one one life i would kick myself if i didn't try this regret like i would have so much regret of what could have what if what ifs that what if is that's the deadly what if the other people asking you well what if it fails so what if so what if it fails okay thing failure is not a bad thing no it's not i would still have an incredible experience i would have learned incredible life lessons i would have had months with my ninos uh that i wouldn't have had otherwise yeah dude awesome thanks so much thanks for having me okay Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. 